In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. St. Luke begins his gospel for Christmas by telling us that it came to pass in those days that it went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. The Greek word for decree in this passage is dogma, a word that for us calls to mind pronouncements made by heavy-handed authorities without thought for their impact on people. And Caesar's decree fits that bill nicely. Thus, the pregnant Blessed Virgin had to travel some 70 miles, we assume, on the back of a donkey so that Caesar could get his money. However, the hardship of the Holy Family is not the point of St. Luke's story. St. Luke means to contrast Caesar's decree with another decree handed down by a higher authority. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This message from the angel carries distinct echoes of Psalm 2, which is a central Old Testament point of reference for the Christmas story. Psalm 2 provides the text for the introit on Christmas Eve, and it is quoted in the epistle for Christmas Day. In Psalm 2, the nations rise up in rebellion against God and his appointed Messiah, proclaiming their freedom. Quote, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. God responds by saying, quote, Yet have I set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the world for your possession. Thus the decree of Caesar that all the world should be counted and pay more taxes is met by the decree of God, which is a decree of joy for all people. Here is my true son, the world's true Lord and King. Here is notice that the reigns of tyrants like Augustus, their days are numbered. Many commentators think Psalm 2 was used in the Old Testament in the time of Israel in the rites of coronation. The king became God's anointed. He was made king when oil was poured on his head as a sign of the gift of the spirit. And this is what made one an anointed or Messiah, which means exactly the same thing. The king became, in a certain sense, God's son. His vocation was to rule with God's authority as God's representative, with justice and righteousness. And the words of Psalm 2 are fulfilled by Jesus, God's eternally begotten son, who was born as king of Israel to rule Israel and the world in truth and love. And this stands in contrast to Caesar and most kings and rulers who rule 
for their own ends and to maintain their own power. The contrast between God and Caesar is one of method as well as intent. Caesar, like most tyrannical kings and rulers, led by force, imposing his authority from the top down. He issued a loud and forceful dogma, and he made everyone obey it. But God works from the bottom up. He issued a silent decree, the silent word speaking, as the hymn says. He quietly placed a new kind of humanity in the manger in Bethlehem, and he told almost no one about it. Some 2,000 years later, Caesar and his decree are historical footnotes and question marks. We are not here to celebrate anything that Caesar imposed with his political power. We are here, and some one to two billion people are present in other places to celebrate God's silent decree. Caesar died and Rome fell, but the baby king God placed in the manger in Bethlehem grew up and gained followers in his kingdom expanded and continues to expand. As Jesus said, quote, what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden and it grew and became a large tree and the birds of the air nested in it and its branches. One problem Christians sometimes have is that we worship the king born by God's decree, but we often use methods to spread the kingdom that look more like Caesar's methods. We will pass laws and make people obey. We will market the product called Jesus and entice people to faith. We will put on a display that matches the polish and pizzazz of the world so that people will be impressed and come to the show. And these methods are tempting because they are easier. They enable us to avoid our sin and the challenging task of working on our own interior growth. We will change the world by changing things and people out there. However, because these methods fail to address the problem of sin, they never change the world. We end up with what the world already has, temporary enthusiasm and pain relief, followed by a return to business and futility as usual. As we look back in the history of the church, we discover that the significant renewal movements in the church work from the bottom up. One person began to take the gospel seriously, became a serious child of God in a particular place at a particular time, and set an example for people to follow, and people did. St. Anthony saw that the church needed renewal, so he fled to the desert to work on himself. 
and people followed him there. God told St. Francis to rebuild his church. So he renounced his inheritance, became a wandering itinerant preacher married to Lady Poverty, and people followed him. So how will we renew the church? Maybe we should try to pass a law that compels people to come to church. Maybe we should develop an innovative marketing campaign to entice more religious consumers to the store. Maybe we should put on a more attractive show. Or maybe on Christmas, we should renew our commitment to the incarnation. Maybe we should plan to change the world from the bottom up, to change people from the inside out. Maybe we should receive Christ into our hearts by faith. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. Maybe we should begin to love God with our whole being and follow the new commandment to love one another as Christ has loved us. Maybe if we really follow him, others will begin to follow us. For the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.